Welcome back to That Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Vincent A. Lancey. And I'm Carrie Gilly. For the second episode of season eight, I am excited to bring on an entrepreneur from a state that I have not interviewed in yet. This entrepreneur has been featured in Entrepreneur Magazine multiple times, so buckle up for a value-filled episode. Whether you are looking to start or scale your business, this is the show for you. Each week, I interview a different entrepreneur from across the globe. I will continue to offer episodes in all industries to provide you with many different perspectives. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. Each guest will take you through their story and help you learn from their successes and lessons learned. My guest on the show this week is a serial entrepreneur having co-founded four different startups throughout her career. She also brings extensive franchise experience, having franchised with two different concepts. Some of the companies she has founded include It's Deductible, which was later acquired by Intuit and is still utilized by TurboTax users today. There's also Sojourn, the world's largest boarding pass and travel data advertiser, and more recently, Franchise Fastlane, which was ranked by Entrepreneur Magazine as a top five franchise consulting company for two consecutive years. This is also the first interview for the show in Nebraska, so we have a great episode ahead. I am excited to learn more about this journey, so allow me to now introduce Carrie Gilly. Carrie, it's great to see you, and thank you for joining the show. I'm so pleased to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Would you mind please introducing yourself a little more to our listeners and previewing your story without giving away too much of your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, that without giving away. Of course, well, just briefly, my name is Carrie Gilly, and I'm the president and co-founder of Franchise Fastlane. As you said, we're called what's an FSO or a franchise sales organization. Every day, I get to work with the top franchise consultants and 15 of the best emerging franchise brands in the country to change lives through business ownership. Vincent, this is always a rewarding experience, but especially if you think about all that was 2020, as people were desperate and they were seeking. You've heard the quote that life begins at the edge of your comfort zone, and it was so rewarding to introduce people that were right there at that edge. That's where they were standing, right there at the edge of their comfort zone to franchising as a solution during such a difficult time for them. I'm a serial entrepreneur, as you said, I've co-founded four companies. And after experiencing the extremes of both startups, which I'm going to talk about a little bit today, and then corporate America, I really have an appreciation for franchising. That's where I've landed. And that is definitely my end game. Yeah, you're definitely a well-rounded entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is you have a lot of different perspectives to add to the show today. So I am excited to jump into the big five here, Carrie, on each episode with a new guest, We will go over these five questions to help you, the listeners, learn what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. You ready to go? Let's go. Let's do it. (laughs) Great. So I'd love to ask you when that moment was when you realized you weren't happy with what you were doing or you needed some kind of change to truly start being on your own. Let's hear your story. Sure. I have always wanted to be an entrepreneur from a very young age. I always wanted to drive my own vision. In fact, vision is my favorite definition in the Webster's Dictionary. It is defined as a clear and compelling picture of a preferable future. 
wow, isn't that what we all want? A clear picture of a preferred future. It's really something we all dream about. But my background is an unlikely one for an entrepreneur. I was raised in a small Midwest town here in Nebraska, daughter of a pastor. I graduated in a class of eight, <laughs> four boys and four girls. I went on to graduate college during the dot-com boom and tech was the sought after industry. Everybody wanted to be in tech. So I partnered with a couple others and we built the very first software solution that we created together. And it was a tool that valued items that people gave to charity. It valued your charitable donations. We had no marketing budget, but we did have a compelling story. So I wrote a press release and we started sending it to local markets, Kansas City, Nebraska, Iowa, right here in the Midwest. And sure enough, the media liked it because it was all about be more generous, but then reward yourselves with a tax break. So I started serving as a spokesperson and just traveling to the little local markets. And I thought, hmm, if this works locally, what would happen if I tried national? So I sent it to the Wall Street Journal, and I thought for sure that was going to land right there in the round file, right right there. What is this local company in Nebraska? Why do they think they deserve national media exposure? You know, they call us Silicon Prairie instead of Silicon Valley <laughs> with a software tool. But without any, <laughs> without any advance notice, they ran the story, and they ran it on the front page and right above the fold. And the story exploded. I spent the next year in New York City as a featured guest on CNN Headline News, MSNBC, U.S. News World Report and more. And here I was 23. I mean, I'd only been filing my own taxes alone for a couple of years. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're a tax expert. H&R Block reached out to discuss a partnership in which they wanted their tax cut users to have access to this tool. So we started negotiating that. And then Intuit reached out. They're fiercely competitive, TurboTax and tax cut. And they said, no, we'll just buy you. So at a very young age, I went through my first acquisition and I was part of selling my first company. Per the agreement, I stayed at Intuit for a few years corporate America, right? Imagine that. All I had ever done was startups. And now I'm at a fortune 500 company and it was definitely square peg round hole, but I did learn so much. Uh, Scott Cook, he is a corporate icon and he is so committed to the customer voice of the customer VOC net promoter and more. And I learned so much during this time. I also started working on another company that you mentioned in my introduction that monetizes travel data. That company is now called Sojourn. They employ hundreds um, but I was anxious to get home. I wanted to get back to the Midwest. And I heard about this concept at home. My time was up and into it. I heard about this concept at home called Complete Nutrition. And it was founded by a gentleman named Ryan Zink. And um, his entire background was in franchising. It was in fitness, health, which I love. It was a development position. And I had a lot to learn. I didn't know franchising, but he brought me on to lead development. We set a goal of 20 locations. We wanted to sell 20 franchises in the next year. And again, it exploded. We sold over 200. I bought three of my own. My husband's name's Chris. So we ran those. We bought a Snap Fitness gym. I fell in love with franchising. For me, it was the best of both worlds. It was this opportunity to own your own business like I did in the startup world, but also this opportunity to have infrastructure and resources and processes like corporate America. It was both. It was vision. It was a clear and compelling picture. And it was also a preferable future. So I fell in love. Ryan and his partner went on to sell complete nutrition, had a very successful exit, but I knew I wanted to stay in the industry. I had fallen hard for franchising. So if we fast forward, now I've been in franchising for boy many years, probably more than I want to say on this show, <laughs> both as a Z and Azor. And I'm a big believer 
Um, but I, I really think it's the best way to go into business for yourself. Ryan and I ended up partnering again. We took some time off. We ended up partnering again to start Fastlane in January of 2017. And how incredible. We are now the top, in terms of units sold, the top FSO in the U.S., we rep 15 strong brands and every day I make incredible Zorzi matches. I introduce potential investors to strong franchise or brands. Yeah, very, very thorough answer. I'm excited to ask a few questions here. Mm -hmm. Out of all of these different stops on the entrepreneurial path <laughs> from the top of the food chain to starting out, which was most enjoyable for you? Oh, that's not easy. I mean, that ride of being a spokesperson for a startup company is probably something I'll never experience. What an adrenaline right. rush, right? You're young and you have this great new idea, but there's challenges in startup America as well. So I don't think I've ever sat in any role that I love as much as the one I sit in today because it's just so impactful. Um, you know, every day I just wake up and I feel very good about what I do and how Im I'm impacting others. So pro probably my role today is my favorite role. Well, that's the best answer you could give because that means you're as happy as you've been in your career. But since you've been on this journey as well, what would you say the two most difficult parts of being an entrepreneur are for you? Yes. You know, before franchising, I would say two things, lack of systems and processes. I mean, if you're on your Love own, as entrepreneur, it's not there. You need a system. Yes, you need it. And you start with a blank slate. You just do. And then number two, wearing every hat alone, right? It's up to you to write the legalese, but also the marketing content. It's up to you to set the strategy and the three-year plan, but also take out the garbage at the end of the day. So I, you know, those are challenging, but it's also where I love franchising. When you're a potential business owner in franchising, you get to read an FDD. And you get to see the processes and the policies, you, item six, fee structure, item seven, summary of your investment, item 19, what are the other people in the system making? What's their revenue look like? It's all right there. So it's not like a standard startup where you're walking into the unknown. You're walking into business ownership that's known and proven. And then wearing every hat, again, now you have a franchisor. You're not on your own. You have a corporate office behind you. You have somebody thinking about marketing, ops. You have a strategic thinker. These roles are filled and you get to tap into a proven model. Now, it doesn't mean it's a nine to five standard job, right? We all know, you know, we know that being a business owner, whether it's in franchising or on your own, man, it takes grit. We have core values at Fastlane and one of them is be gritty, be hungry, bring it. And that is oh, what yeah. it takes. You have to dig deep, even as a franchise owner, but there is a process and you don't have to wear every hat. As a solopreneur, wearing every hat is very difficult. And obviously with the marketing budget, prioritizing literally everything yes. is always a decision. I mean, I've tried to bring on marketing help of late and unfortunately accountability was an issue. And that's what held me back for so long where this is still my baby, you know, <laughs> it's six, seven years in the yep. brands being built with the books and the podcasts and the speaking engagements. But for me, that extra hour or two of productivity to create social media content and marketing, I thought I could, someone could be better than at this right now right. because they're younger than me and they're, they're better. And I'm okay with that. I've right. learned that that was a flaw turned into more of a strength where I'm acknowledging things I'm weaker at. But when I look at my phone and I have no micromanaging at all. I said, just hold yourself <laughs> accountable. That's all I ask. For and sure. Still not enough. It's tough to spread your wings. So I like the advice you gave there. Looking back though, what would you say your greatest lessons learned is from this whole path mm -hmm. so far? For me anyway, in my journey, I would say two things. You need to keep it simple. I think I complicated it too much in my early days and know what you want. 
again, if you think about that story, I told you so much of my early career was focused on very complex, innovative technology stuff. (laughs) I got pulled into multiple opportunities in my early career. And quite honestly, I just didn't have focus. It was a bit reactive. Oh, we could try this. Oh, we could try this. And there, there was an attraction to whatever the trend of the day was, that dot-com boom, the technology sector. I found myself bouncing from opportunity to opportunity. And I also found it was very hard work and it required a ton of capital. <laughs> it was very expensive. So what you know what that means as an owner, that leads to severe dilution. And that's that was the result for me. And so it is 100%, and it's 100% on an exit strategy. You've got to sell, right? That's what has to happen. Yet only a small percent do. And then if you do sell and you're diluted, it still only means so much of an exit. So I ultimately learned that it just didn't align. So I think that's why I've fallen so much in love with franchising. It's so much easier to get in, right? There's so many opportunities. I don't care what you're interested in. There's probably a franchise model that fits it. Even in my own inventory, we have very attractive fitness models. Um, Spanga, it's right up there, a competitor with Orange Theory. But then we also have a brand that smashes garbage and blows insulation. I mean, it doesn't matter what you want. You're going to be able to find something that fits you and it's scalable. You can come in and buy one territory and keep it small and manageable, or you can go regional and buy multiple territories and manage an entire uh, you know area or segment of the country in a, under a certain brand. So keep it simple, know what you want and stay focused. If anything of what she just said motivated you to think a little bit outside the box, make sure you do stick around to the end of the episode where she shares all of her contact information, social media, website, all of that good stuff. But Carrie, If you could choose to have a conversation and learn from any entrepreneur, keep learning as much as you do already, take that to a new level, who would you choose to pick their brain? Oh, this one was hard because there's so many strong women founders in franchising. I don't even want to start throwing out names because I'll miss somebody. So I thought I'm going to go outside of franchising and tell you somebody I've been studying for a while. And that's Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. Uh, she's amazing. I mean, her career started as a door-to-door fax machine salesperson. I love her she story. Hated, yeah, it's amazing. She hated wearing pantyhose, right? It was so hot, but she liked some of the benefits. So she started experimenting by cutting off the feet <laughs> just to see what that would be like. And she thought, I might be onto something here. She created that vision I was talking about. She became 100% committed to it. She self-funded her whole vision at the age of 27. She had to get in with decision makers at Neiman Marcus, Bloomingdale's. She was tenacious. She got a contract with QVC. She sent a gift basket to Oprah. Oprah ended up running her, her product as one of her favorites, Oprah's favorites. And of course, then she had the whole Oprah effect behind her. And today we all have her products. I'm sorry, as females, as women, we all have her products in our wardrobe. And we do. In 2012, Forbes magazine named her the youngest self-made female billionaire in the world. (laughs) Amazing. So I just, you know, her and then I have an author, Jen Cicero. I don't know if you've read any of her books. You are a badass. She is so amazing. And so, I mean, I think those would be a couple people that have really influenced me um, in my journey. Well, to delve a little deeper here and feel free to answer for both entrepreneurs. Where would this meeting go down if you had the chance to pick? Ah. (laughs) that'd be hard. I mean, honestly, I love where I live. I love the Midwest and there aren't many entrepreneurial, um, you know, and startups that come out of the Midwest. I would want to start here, frankly, because I would want to give, share the opportunity with my team, my Fastlane team and people around me. So I definitely would want to start here. I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. So maybe our continued meeting could be there. Um, But I would want to start at home and I would want to show Jen, show Sarah what I've built here at home and share the opportunity with the team um, right here at home. 
I love the choice of doing it at home. And it is now time for the spotlight story. And coincidentally enough, of course, Sarah Blakely at one point was the star of this story in the beginning of this platform. But I will now share an entrepreneurial journey to inspire our listeners. And I would love to hear your take on it. As we have a rock star female entrepreneur on the show this week, I will now introduce the journey of another in Estee Lauder. She was born into an entrepreneurial family where her father owned a local hardware store and her uncle was a chemist who was known for making face lotions and creams. As a young woman, she began working alongside her uncle, helping to refine his super rich all-purpose cream. At first, she only sold her creams to her friends, but after amazing reviews, she brought the product to market. She began crafting other beauty creams soon after, and she was not the type to take no for an answer as she looked to grow, similar to our entrepreneur on the show today. She became known for a tactic we have all heard of called guerrilla sales, and the story behind it is once a manager refused to stock her fragrance, she accidentally, in air quotes, spilled it all over the counter. This aroma did get the attention of nearby customers, and the manager then had no choice but to sell her products. Estee Lauder companies now feature a multitude of beauty brands, and although she died in 2004, this umbrella company still creates over $14 billion in sales each year. Carrie, what do you take away most from this entrepreneurial journey? What what a story. First, I love the fact that she was such an ambitious woman building a business in the 50s and the 60s. When you think of women during that time frame, you can't help but think of, you know, June Cleaver or maybe a scene from the TV series Mad Men, if you watch that one. Love that show. But here she was in that time redefining her role. I mean, breaking glass ceilings. It's impressive. Second, I appreciate her journey. Having grown up working at her father's hardware store, ironic to go from hardware to skincare. But I promise you, that's probably where she learned those people skills, which are one of the most important assets you can have in any career, in any future. And last, of course, her tenacity. I love that story of her accidentally spilling at the counter. (laughs) I love that. It reminds me of my early days, right? Just having the guts to send that press release to the Wall Street Journal and then kind of hardly even thinking about it because I just knew they'd throw it away. Even after the landing those interviews, what I learned was no matter what the anchor asked me, answer the re- the question I wanted to answer, right? Just answer. I needed to get my story out there, no matter what the question was. And it reminded me of that. I had to look up Estee Lauder, um, you know, when you mentioned her and I've, in her, my favorite quote from her is I've never worked a day in my life without selling. I have never worked a day in my life without selling. If I believe in something, I sell it and I sell it hard. I sell it and I sell it hard. I mean, such a remarkable example of female entrepreneurship and leadership that you bring up here. Yeah, I could definitely see the story resonating with you for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a great example, as you just noted, where it doesn't matter where you start because you don't know where you're going to finish. Here she was in a hardware store and she became one of the biggest brands in beauty still today, 20 years almost after her death. But Mm -hmm. Carrie, I have to thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know our listeners are going to see all the value in the episode. I loved how you came from a graduating class of eight and your aspirations (laughs) were so big where you ended up from the Midwest on the major networks at just 23 years old. I, of course, love how you branched out to all areas of entrepreneurship because you found what you're most happy at now in franchising. The example wearing all the hats as a solopreneur is going to resonate. And it is now time for the last word. And I also do this in my other podcast series because I want the listeners to really have the opportunity to know all the guests I bring on. Would you like to share something that we did not touch on yet today? You know, we have a favorite quote that's framed in our home, and I love walking by this one. My kids have to see it too. Whether you believe you can or you can't, you're right. 
Whether you believe you can or you can, you can't, you're right. I'm a big believer in the power of having the right mindset. It's the foundation of achieving the life that you desire. You must first believe in yourself. And that is why I think I love what I do because in this role, I get to put that message out there every day and help people connect that belief then with the tangible opportunity in franchising. And imagine what that feels like in 2020 alone, our company facilitated over a thousand new businesses that will open in communities all over the U.S. We created vision for hundreds of new business owners and delivered growth for our consultant and our brand partners. That's very fulfilling. 2021 is going to pop for a lot of people mm -hmm. for sure. Would you now mind please taking the time to share your professional social media, your website, any ways for our listeners to request your services or follow your endeavors? Absolutely. Um, both personally and professionally, www.franchisefastlane.com. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com forward slash Fran Fastlane or Carrie Gilly. LinkedIn.com forward slash company forward slash franchise Fastlane is the handle there. And then Instagram.com forward slash franchise Fastlane. Also, Carrie Gilly, LinkedIn forward slash Carrie Gilly. Be sure to check out all of her great content. And it is also social media time for the show. And we're on whichever platform you'd like to use. We're at That Entrepreneur Show on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And we're at Podcast by Lancey on Twitter. So you have updates from this show and a mental health break. Of course, my handles are at Vincent A. Lancey for all social media and YouTube. And my website is vincentalancey.com. If you check out my books, DM me. I would love to hear from you all. We have Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health. Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption, and How to Transform Your Mindset When the Norm Has Changed, all are on my website now. And as always, I will end the show with a quote that inspired me, and know it will for you too. This one is from Estee Lauder. Mm -hmm. She said, I didn't get there by wishing for it or hoping for it, but by working for it. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all on the next episode of That Entrepreneur Show.